Chapter Five of Anne of Green Gables. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sarah and Gracia Partial. Anne of Green Gables by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Chapter Five: Anne's History. Do you know? said anne confidentially i've made up my mind to enjoy this drive it's been my experience that you can nearly always enjoy things if you just make your mind firmly up that you will of course you must make it up firmly i am not going to think about going back to that asylum while we're having our drive i'm just going to think about the drive oh look there's one little early rose out isn't it lovely don't you think it must be glad to be a rose. Wouldn't it be nice if roses could talk? I'm sure they could tell us such lovely things. And isn't pink the most bewitching color in the world? I love it, but I can't wear it. Red-headed people can't wear pink, not even in imagination. Did you ever know of anybody whose hair was red when she was young, but got to be another color when she grew up? No, I don't know as I ever did, said Marilla mercilessly, and I shouldn't think it likely to happen in your case either. Anne sighed. Well, that is another hope gone. My life is a perfect graveyard of buried hopes. That's a sentence I read in a book once, and I say it over to comfort myself whenever I'm disappointed in anything. I don't see where the comforting comes in myself, said Marilla. Why, because it sounds so nice and romantic just as if i were a heroine in a book you know i am so fond of romantic things and a graveyard full of buried hopes is just about as romantic a thing as one can imagine isn't it i'm rather glad i have one are we going across the lake of shining waters today we're not going across berry's pond if that's what you mean by your lake of shining waters we're going by the shore road shore road sounds nice said Anne dreamily. Is it as nice as it sounds? Just when you say Shore Road, I saw a picture in my mind as quick as that. And White Sands is a pretty name, too. But I don't like it as well as Avonlea. Avonlea is a lovely name. It just sounds like music. How far is it to White Sands? It's five miles, and as you are evidently bent on talking, you might as well talk to some purpose by telling me what you know about yourself. Oh, what I know about myself isn't really worth telling, said Anne eagerly. If you'll only let me tell you what I imagine about myself, you'll think it ever so much more interesting. No, I don't want any of your imaginings. Just you stick to bald facts. Begin at the beginning. Where were you born, and how old are you? I was eleven last March, said Anne, resigning herself to bald facts with a little sigh. And I was born in Bolingbroke, Nova Scotia. My father's name was Walter Shirley, and he was a teacher in Bolingbroke High School. My mother's name was Bertha Shirley. Aren't Walter and Bertha lovely names? I'm so glad my parents had nice names. It would be a real disgrace to have a father named, well, say, J.D. Dyer, wouldn't it? I guess it doesn't matter what a person's name is as long as he behaves himself said marilla feeling herself called upon to inculcate a good and useful moral well i don't know anne looked thoughtful i read in a book once that a rose by any other name would smell as sweet but i've never been able to believe it 
i don't believe a rose would be as nice if it was called a thistle or a skunk cabbage i suppose my father could have been a good man even if he had been called j d dia but i'm sure it would have been a cross well my mother was a teacher at the high school too but when she married father she gave up teaching of course a husband was enough responsibility mrs thomas said they were a pair of babies in as poor as church mice they went to live in a teeny weeny little house in bolingbroke i've never seen that house but i've imagined it thousands of times i think it must have had honeysuckle over the parlor window and lilacs in the front yard and lilies of the valley just outside the gate yes and muslin curtains in the windows muslin curtains give a house such a nice air i was born in that house mrs thomas said i was the homeliest baby she ever saw i was so scrawny and tiny and nothing but eyes but that mother thought i was perfectly beautiful i should think a mother would be a better judge than a poor woman who came into scrub wouldn't you i'm just glad she was satisfied with me anyhow i would feel so sad if i thought i was a disappointment to her because she didn't live very long after that you see she died of fever when i was just three months old i do wish she'd lived long enough for me to remember calling her mother i think it would be so sweet to say mother don't you and father died four days afterwards from fever too that left me an orphan and folks were at their wits end so mrs thomas said what to do with me you see nobody wanted me even then it seemed to be my fate father and mother had both come from places far away and it was well known they hadn't any relatives living finally mrs thomas said she'd take me though she was poor and had a drunken husband she brought me up by hand do you know if there's anything in being brought up by hand that ought to make people who are brought up that way better than other people because whenever i was naughty mrs thomas would ask me how i could be such a bad girl when she had brought me up by hand reproachful like mr and mrs thomas moved away from bolingbroke to marysville and i lived with them until i was eight years old i helped look after the thomas children there were four of them younger than me and i can tell you they took a lot of looking after then mr thomas was killed falling under a train and his mother offered to take mrs thomas and the children but she didn't want me mrs thomas was at her wit's end so she said what to do with me then mrs hammond from up the river came down and said she'd take me seeing i was handy with children and i went up to the river to live with her in a little clearing among the stumps it was a very lonesome place i'm sure i could never have lived there if i had an imagination mr hammond worked a little sawmill up there and mrs hammond had eight children she had twins three times i like babies in moderation but twins three times in succession is too much i had told mrs hammond so firmly when the last pair came i used to get so dreadfully tired carrying them about i lived up river with mrs hammond over two years and then mr hammond died and mrs hammond broke up housekeeping she divided her children among her relatives and went to the states i had to go to the asylum in hopetown because no one would take me they didn't want me at the asylum either they said they were overcrowded as it was but they had to take me and i was there four months until mrs spencer came and finished up with another sigh of relief this time evidently she did not like talking about her experiences in a world that did not want her did you ever go to school demanded marilla turning the sorrel mare down the shore road not a great deal i went a little the last year i stayed with mrs thomas when i went up river we were so far from a school that i couldn't walk in the winter and there was a vacation in summer so i could only go in the spring and the fall 
but of course i went while i was at the asylum i can read pretty well and i know ever so many pieces of poetry off by heart most of the lady of the lake and most of the seasons by james thompson don't you just love poetry that gives you a crinkly feeling up and down your back there's a piece in the fifth reader the downfall of poland that is just full of thrills of course i wasn't in the fifth reader i was only in the fourth but the big girls used to lend me theirs to read were those women mrs thomas and mrs hammond good to you said marilla looking at anne out of the corner for i oh faltered anne her sensitive little face suddenly flushed scarlet and embarrassment sat on her brow oh they meant to be i know they meant to be just as good and kind as possible and when people mean to be good to you you don't mind very much when they're not quite always they had a good deal to worry them you know it's very trying to have a drunken husband and it must be trying to have twins three times in succession don't you think but i feel sure they meant to be good to me marilla asked no more questions anne gave herself up to a silent rapture over the shore road and marilla guided the sorrel abstractedly while she pondered deeply pity was suddenly stirring in her heart for the child what a starved unloved life she had had a life of drudgery and poverty and neglect for marilla was shrewd enough to read between the lines of anne's history and divine truth no wonder she had been so delighted at the prospect of her own home it was a pity she had to be sent back what if she marilla should indulge in matthew's unaccountable whim and let her stay he was set on it and the child seemed a nice teachable little thing she's got too much to say thought marilla but she might be trained out of that and there's nothing rude or slangy in what she does say she's ladylike it's likely her people were nice folks the shore road was woodsy and wild and lonesome on the right hand scrub firs their spirits quite unbroken by long years of tussle with the gulf winds grew thickly on the left were steep red sandstone cliffs so near the track in places that a mare of less steadiness than the sorrel might have tried the nerves of the people behind her down at the base of the cliffs were heaps of surf-worn rocks or sandy little coves inlaid with pebbles as with ocean jewels beyond lay the sea shimmering and blue and over it soared the gulls their pinions flashing silvery in the sunlight isn't the sea wonderful said anne rousing from her long wide-eyed silence once where i lived in marysville mr thomas hired an express wagon and took us all to spend the day at the shore ten miles away i enjoyed every moment of that day even if i had to look after the children all the time i lived it over in happy dreams for years but this shore is nicer than the marysville shore aren't those gulls splendid wouldn't you like to be a gull i think i would that is if i couldn't be a human girl don't you think it would be nice to wake up at sunrise and swoop down over the water and away over that lovely blue all day and then at night fly back to one's nest oh i can just imagine myself doing it what big house is that just ahead please that's the white sands hotel mr kirk runs it but the season hasn't begun yet there are heaps of americans come there for the summer they think this shore is just about right i was afraid it might be mrs spencer's place said anne mournfully i don't want to get there somehow it will seem like the end of everything end of chapter five anne's history recording by sarah and gracia partial sarahpartial.blogspot.com new york